Let us stand this morning for the reading of the sacred text. Once again, we will be coming from the book of Romans. I'm preaching myself through a storm. We will still looking at Romans chapter 8, and I'm preaching my verses 14 down through verse 17. And those of you that have your Bibles will find these words. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bringeth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him together. We will use for a theme from bondage to freedom. But while you're standing, let's recite the motto of the church, the mission of the church, rather, church is to disciple the church and the unchurch to family of God through biblical preaching, teaching, and outreach ministry that will help to heal the hurt. You may be seated. Uh, Larry Brown, our musician, has to leave. He has to go to a commencement. So I'm telling you now so you don't have to call me during the week and say, Larry left early, okay? <laughs> All right, Larry, take care. God is still in the blessing business. From freedom to bondage. From freedom to bondage. Bondage is the condition of slavery. Bondage is a place where you don't want to be. The primary aspects of bondage are being locked up. The first thing they do, they take away your freedom. When you are locked up, or some of the words some prisoners use, incarcerated. The first thing they do when you visit a prison is that you see that people have no freedom. They tell them what time to get up. They tell them what time to go to bed. They tell them what they could do during the day. And when I go to visit prisons, I cannot even imagine after spending 20 and 30 and some folks spend 60 years in that kind of atmosphere. But uh, I can get a glimpse of it every now and then when I watch Shawshank Redemption. And the Dufresne was never satisfied being in prison because he was locked up there for something he didn't do anyway. But to see that struggle that he went through is amazing. And when I watched the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and they was falsely put there. But the most intriguing thing and I bought both of those movies because every now and then I have to watch them because 
The, the most intriguing thing about those two movies is that the struggle for freedom. Their, their, their physical body was locked up, but their mind never forgot the freedom. So when we look at being in bondage, and some of us today are in bondage to our own sin nature. Some of us are struggling with our own compulsive and addictive behavior. Some of those things have got us in bondage, and sometimes we struggle our whole life trying to be free from those things. And many of us have become powerless to those things that have kept us in slavery. They are the things that rule over us. They are the things that control us. They are the things that keep us in bondage. Sometimes our personality defects and it's things that have caused us to do pain to ourselves and others keep us in bondage. But I just stopped by here today to teach you that uh, insanity is the inability to see the truth. Sanity is the ability to see the truth. And also, the truth will set you free. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're up against, the truth will set you free. This morning, I will use two points. And the verse that I'm lifting up today is that 15th verse where it says, we have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, in, that, in that verse, uh, my first point is the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. That is uh, 15a. And then my next point comes from 15b, we have received the spirit of adoption. But before I get into this lesson text this morning, if you don't mind, I just want to do a little teaching so you'll understand where I'm coming from, those of you that have your Bibles. Uh, when we look at this verse, that 15th verse, it says, for we have not received the spirit. If you notice that first spirit, has a small s, spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received a spirit, which is a capital S, of adoption. So you need to pay strict attention as to why that first spirit has a small s, and the next one has a capital S. But also a very important word there is the word again. It says, but you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's letting you know that you had received that spirit once before. Say so you have not received it again. Y'all with me? And also, something else that we need to notice is that the spirit of bondage to fear always comes before the spirit of adoption. That's a very important point. Some theologians say this particular verse may be one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. 
because it helps us to see something. It helps us to challenge our own salvation. So when we look at the spirit of bondage, we see that this spirit of bondage is produced by the Holy Spirit as well as the spirit of adoption. It says you have not received the spirit with a small s of fear again. And let me just explain that to you because, see, the spirit of fear again is the spirit that causes us to be convicted of our sin nature. See, see, God puts something in you that convicts you before he adopts you into his family. The Holy Spirit produces both of these things. And you can see that in John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, Our Lord said that the Holy Spirit would reprove or convict the world of sin. But it's very important that we understand this because some theologians think that if you have not received the spirit of bondage, then you have not received the spirit of adoption makes you question your own salvation. If you have not been broken to the point where you feel hopeless. See, see, when the spirit, when God sends that spirit of bondage to you first, it causes you to be humble. It causes you to be convicted. It makes you feel utterly, completely hopeless. It causes you to feel that nothing can be done. You are worthless. Now, I pay attention because a person that is in their sin and a person who is enjoying their sinful life would never feel like this. But the only person that will feel like this is a person that God convicts. And, and did you see, first you got to be convicted before you can move into God's family. And if you haven't been convicted, check yourself. You better check yourself. So we look at the prodigal son. And it's, it's so clear in scripture. When you look at the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, verse 17 says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, but I perish in hunger. They say the prodigal son had to be convicted in that big pen. You know, you, you know that spirit God sent him. You see, you know, why was he convicted? What happened to him? He wanted to leave home so bad, but, but what, what happened? He had to be convicted. And see, God sent that spirit of fear again to him so, so, so that he could see his sin for nature. So that he would want to come home. And then we see where Isaiah said in chapter 6, verse 5. He said, woe is me when God called him. He said, woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Before Isaiah could carry out that mission, he had to, 
have that spirit of fear. He had to have that, that, that trepidation. He had to have that, that, that thing that causes him to, to question who he is in the face of a holy God. And then, one more example, and I could go through the Bible and prove a lot of them to you because everybody that's in, that, that everybody, you have to have this. And if you don't have this, you better check yourself. David in the 51st Psalm, after Nathan, Nathan had come to David, and David was this great king. But, 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 but before, the reason that David was a man of after God's own heart, because what I'm about to show you now that David did, Saul, the first king, never did that. That's why he ended up hanging himself, because he was never convicted. David said in the 51st Psalm, Have mercy on me, O God. According, he said, Have mercy on me. In other words, he realized that he needed the unmerited favor of Almighty God. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and according to thy tender mercy, blot out my transgressions. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In other words, he realized that he was a sinner. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sins is ever before you. Against thee and only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You have to be convicted. And every time we go down to a Pacific God mission, we have all these people that come down, but we lead them in the sinner's prayer. So, oh God, I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell. But I also realize that I need a Savior. And now I'm coming to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and to be my Savior. See, see, before you can get into the kingdom, there's something that you have to realize. Too many folk. Too many folk in the kingdom that have never been broken. Too many folk in the kingdom that, 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 that have never been convicted of their sin nature. Pharisees say they didn't have any sin. So they didn't need to be forgiven. That's a bad hill to be on. To think that you're already in heaven. So when we look at this spirit that comes into us, the spirit that convicts us, and we see an unbeliever, an unbeliever without the Holy Spirit will never be convicted of their sins. Or when we look at Romans chapter 7 verse 24, it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The conviction of sin. If you have never had the spirit of bondage, certainly you may have never had the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. When uh, we look at uh, that next verse, when we look at how it says the spirit produces awareness, when we look at it, it says, ye have received the spirit with the capital S of adoption that we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit produces the awareness of God's richest reality 
in our lives so we now can, can go to God. We now have this permission to go to Almighty God. See, see, God is love. It's just not talking about how God adopted us into his family, but it's talking about now we can approach God because God is love. And where there's love, it removes all fear and all danger. When we approach God, we have no more fear. We have no more danger. But as long as we have the spirit of, of, of fear with the small s, we have a fear of death. We have a fear of punishment. But when we are children of God and when we have the spirit of adoption, we have no more fear of death. We have no more fear of harm from God. There's nothing that God can ever do that can harm us because God loves us. No matter how bad we mess up, no matter how mad we do things, no matter how wherever we go, God loves us. And because God loves us, we can approach him because he is love. No matter what we have done, no matter how bad we have messed up, no matter how far we have fallen, no matter what we have done, God is love. And his love chased out all fear. If you're a child of God and you've been brought into God's family, then there's nothing that you should have fear of. Not even at the face of death do we have any fear as Christians. They say, well, I was brought up in a Christian home, and uh, I never had all of these horrendous uh, sins that I had to do and uh, all of these things that happened to other people. I don't have them bad testimonies, but let me just tell you something. If you're going to be a child of God, you still have to be broken because you still have a sin nature. You still have the, 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 the tendency, the proclivity to do the things because you are part of the Adam generation. Now, you got to become part of, of Jesus. You had to become part of the second Adam in order for you to understand what I'm talking about. Because there is so many people that are in the church that have not become part of God's adopted family. They still running around. You know, you know, we used to have a lot of folks that would visit our home when we grew up. My parents welcomed everybody. And when they would call folks to eat, a whole lot of folks would come because they was always in the house. One boy lived in my house so long they thought he was our brother. <laughs> Telling you the truth. That's the kind of house. That's the way we rolled in the Shannon home. When my daddy came back from the country with Wallamy. Everybody came. Folks used to say, Claude, how many children you? It's everyone you see. But really, we know who was the real children. Uh, but so now the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has ushered us into God's family because God loves us. And because God loves us, we have the privilege. Now may, pay attention because I say we have the privilege. Privilege is not a right. Evelyn is my wife. I have the privilege of being her husband. But if I stay out all night, if I don't come home in three days, I can't show up and say, I'm going to fix my breakfast. <laughs> you heard him. <laughs> but, but, but see, I operate at a privilege. Although she loves me, I operate at a privilege. I, have a, I don't have a right to demand it. She does it because she loves me. 
Am I right, Alan? <laughs> when we as children sin against God, those that have been adopted into God's family, when we sin against God, we sin against a loving God. When we as children who are the spirit with fear, we sin against the law. But when we are God's child, we sin against love. God loves us, so that's why we know that he's going to forgive us. So now we can cry, Abba, Father. When we use that word Abba, that's an Arabic word that was used in Palestine to refer to the Jewish God, to refer to the Jews. Jews would use this word to refer to God as Father. But then when we look at the Greek word, that means Father. So Paul to say, I'm going to put these two words together. I'm going to put the Jewish word, I'm going to put the Greek word. So when we cry, Abba, Father, I don't care what your nationality will be. I don't care who you are, where you come from. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your brother, then the almighty Yahweh is your heavenly Father. So now we can cry, Abba, Father. All the Jews, all the Gentiles, whatever you are, come under the auspice of a loving day. As I come down, I've done a lot of weddings in my life because I used to have a ministry where I had about 25 couples in the spring and 25 in the fall, and I would do all of those weddings. So something about doing a wedding, it is phenomenal. When the bride comes down the aisle, and the bride is usually come down the aisle if her father is going to give him away. The father would accompany the bride down the aisle, and the groom would be standing up here with me. And the, and the father would come down the aisle, and he would stand there until we go through a few things. And then I would say, who giveth this bride away? And the father would say, I do. And you know what? He's irrelevant to the rest of the ceremony. He goes and sits down. I don't talk to him no more until maybe after we He has no more role in the wedding. His thing is over. Because you know what he's done? He's taken the hand of the bride and he's put the hand in the, her hand in the groom hand. He has allowed the bride to change authority. He no longer has the authority over that woman anymore. She has now moved into a new unit. He has, he's had left his father and mother and he's clinging to his wife. That bride walked in the door with one name. She's going to walk back out the door with another name. She has changed her identity. I want you to understand that. The father no longer has authority over the house where the bride lives anymore. She has changed her identity. If the father wants to talk to the household, he got to go through the young man that he have, that has replaced him as the bride's husband. Yeah. Are y'all out there? I changed my identity some years ago. The devil no longer rules over me. Hallelujah. I got a new identity. I got a new name. I just want you to understand the devil has no more power over me. The devil cannot rule over me anymore. The devil cannot tell me what to do. He cannot tell me anymore. I love God loves me. Are you out there? Are you out there today? Have you ever changed your identity? The Bible say in Isaiah that a child was born but a son was given and the government is upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. 
Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What are you waiting on? I'm talking about a loving God that's going to adopt you into his own family, but you got to be broken. You got to be convicted. You got to understand that you had a sin nature. And God wants to clean it up. He wants to put you in his family. But the prerequisite is a broken person, a humble person. There's no room in God's kingdom for arrogance. Folk, God is calling you this morning. Are you out there? Are you out there? God is calling you. 